This is your host, Terry Noland, and this is your community. Come on in, grab a seat, and strap in. Hello, family and friends and podcast listeners. We are here this week kicking off a two-part series as we lead up to one of Learning Allies' premier events that begins a course of learning throughout the entire year where we learn and grow together. Happening on November 3rd is our Spotlight on Literacy Leadership. February 3rd is Spotlight on Literacy Transformation, and we will round out the year with our eighth annual Spotlight on Dyslexia Conference taking place on June 7th and 8th. These are all virtual conferences, so you can learn right where you are. The first event, Spotlight on Literacy Leadership, is the basis of why I wanted to do this two-part podcast series. I think it's most important for us to help define, know, and understand what we mean by literacy leadership. And this podcast and next week's podcast, we'll be talking about literacy leaders, know how to define literacy leadership. When you hear the words literacy leader, what comes to mind? What do you think of? Who do you think of? Who are the people in your world that you would consider to be literacy leaders? Who are the people that are leading large around you? Is your name on that list? I hope it is. I hope it is. And let me ask you this question. Where do literacy leaders sit? Do they sit in the principal's office at your school or in the superintendent's office at the district? Do they sit outside of the school in the community or in the teacher's workroom or in the classroom? Who are these people? What do they do? Where do they sit? Those are the things that I want us to think about when we start to define literacy leadership. But first and foremost, I have to dispel a myth. And that myth is that literacy leaders can only sit in an office. They can only sit in that school principal office, the superintendent office, district admin building. I need you to hear me loud and clear. A literacy leader can be anyone. A literacy leader can sit anywhere. The designation of literacy leader is not relegated to people in those seats in that research field, uh, principal's office, superintendent's office, curriculum provider, publisher, or whatever field or role you want to assign. Literacy leaders are you. Literacy leader is me. Who is this message for? It's for you because it's for everyone that wants to make an impact on the literacy crisis. Literacy leadership is not about title or role. It's not about what you do. It is about who you are, your characteristics, your values, your traits. I have to say this again. It's not about what you do. It's about who you are. In Patrick Lencioni's book, The Advantage, he talks about how you should see yourself as the CRO. I'm going to take on the role of a CRO today. I'm going to be your CRO. 
Now, what in the world does that mean? We know what a CEO is, a chief executive officer, but today I'm going to be your CRO, your chief reminder officer. And I'm here to remind you that leadership, literacy, leadership, not about title or role. It's about who you are. We need you. Our nation needs you. Individual students and families need you. This is what our event is going to be about on November 3rd. We're going to be highlighting the characteristics, the values, the traits of literacy leaders, putting people in front of you that are doing the daily work of literacy leadership. Let's dive in. What I want to do this week and next is pull out some values and characteristics that I think make for a good literacy leader. This is not an exhaustive list. And in fact, I had to scale this back. I've got this little deck of cards in the top drawer of my desk called values cards. And I take them out every so often and pull them out and go through them to remind myself and stay connected to what I value. Each card has a value in large print with a short definition of that value. And depending upon my circumstances, I go through the entire stack and very quickly split the cards into two piles putting the cards that speak to me in one pile, depending on the circumstances, and the cards that don't seem so significant in the moment into another pile. And then I'd narrow down, narrow down again and again. After much deliberation and internal struggle and debate, I narrowed the list to six different values that make a literacy leader. For this particular moment, that is leading up to our virtual conference. And like I said, it's not an exhaustive list because I could have talked about every single card and maybe throughout the course of time, I will talk about every card. But in this two-part series, we're gonna focus on six. The first value that I want to talk about in literacy leadership is urgency. That urgency card that I pulled out says urgency fast-paced, swift, action-oriented. As a literacy leader, do you see an urgency in our schools and in our kids? Do literacy leaders need to be urgent in our society? Do they need to be urgent in communication, in their efforts, in every moment and movement of the day? You better believe we do. I was having a conversation just this week about older students. So much time and attention is being focused on our younger students, our K to three, and I am so proud of that fact. This is good, but we've got to build foundations in those grades, foundations in the discrete elements of word recognition and decoding while building language. Absolutely. Great place to start, but what about our older kids? What about students in middle grades, high school? What about those that are not reading automatically, are not reading at grade level? They're not skilled readers. Hmm, what about them? There is urgency, my friends, because with every passing day, every passing month, and every passing school year, more students graduate that cannot read. 
cannot read at grade level and are going into colleges and the workforce not prepared. You want to get real about urgency? That's urgency right there. I had the privilege and distinct honor to be asked by Amir Baraka to write the foreword to his new book, Undiagnosed, The Ugly Side of Dyslexia. I want to read a section from that foreword that I wrote that really exemplifies urgency. Amir's story is an undeniable example of why there is such an urgency in literacy. What captured my mind the most was how he saw the world as a young child because he couldn't read. He couldn't see a world outside his own. He couldn't see examples and mentors that could show him what contributing to a community could look like. Amir quotes Marion Wright Edelman, founder and president of the Children's Defense Fund, who said, you can't be what you can't see. Amir didn't have access to words, stories, adventures, and examples of Black men who led their families through honest work. He couldn't see beyond his current circumstances, and this lack of skill in reading manifested as stress, anxiety, impulsive behavior, feelings of worthlessness, and worse, a mindset that said, look out for yourself and don't let anyone, even Tim, a fellow drug dealer, stand in your way. You see, what happened for Amir was he killed Tim. That's urgency, my friends. This book is about Amir's life. I encourage you to pick up a copy of this book because it will move you. It will change you. It changed me. This book is now my battle cry as a literacy leader. I encourage you to find your battle cry story. Amir faced a life where he didn't have educators that had the knowledge. He didn't have literacy leaders around him. He had teachers. And let me tell you, I'm the first person to say that you cannot teach what you do not know. We cannot place blame on the people that were in Amir's life when he was young. Those teachers, they were doing the best they could with the resources, the tools, and the knowledge that they had at the moment. So not only were we failing kids, we're failing educators. No educator wants to go in a classroom and say, all right, I'm here to do harm to my kids today, or I'm here just to get by today. I'm here to not really execute on my duties as a teacher. Nobody is doing that. Amir did not get diagnosed until he was in prison. It was the prison system that had to save his life. It wasn't the education system that prevented it altogether. He had to wait until he went to prison after killing someone. Since I've been in this world of literacy and reading instruction, I have known that we need to do better. But it wasn't until I read Amir's story that I felt the urgency. My spirit as a person was moved. My heart was changed to act fast. Because we have students sitting in classrooms every day that are one moment, one grade, one lesson away from starting their path down a destructive road. Literacy leaders are urgent. Be urgent.
They are fast-paced. They are swift. They are action-oriented because we cannot graduate another class of students that are not equipped with the ability to be able to read. Second, I think it's important that literacy leaders are knowledgeable. Knowledge is the word on my values card in that deck. And it means that you're a subject matter expert. You are educated via experience or study. You've been in the thick of it. You know what it's like to sit across from a student and teach them to read, understand, comprehend, and you've done this through your own personal study. I'm going to add something on here about what I think this means in the application of literacy leadership and honestly application in anything. Knowledge is power. We've heard that statement before, but I think there's something missing in that statement. Knowledge-driven action is what's powerful. The knowledge means nothing if I don't do anything with it. As literacy leaders, I have to have the knowledge and then do something with that knowledge. I've got to gain the understanding and put it into practice. There are things that you need to be doing as literacy leaders. Coming to the November 3rd event, Spotlight on Literacy Leadership, that's one of the things that you can do to gain your knowledge, but we don't want it to stop there. We want you to take that knowledge and be a doer of the knowledge. The people that are gonna be there in that session, educators, teachers, administrators, paraprofessionals, whoever it is that sits in front of a child, you come and listen and learn from people just like you, because you'll see in this event that we are not just highlighting all those people that sit in particular seats in a building. Yes, we've got some superintendents coming, but we've got teachers coming. We've got advocates in the community coming. You have to decide Where am I going to get my information, my knowledge? We have to be discerners of the research. Social media has done so much for the movement around evidence-based instruction when it comes to the science of reading. We need that. But we can't just take everybody's word for it. We have to be discerners. We need to be discerners of that knowledge, gaining as much knowledge as we can through podcasts, through blogs, through articles, through webinars, by diving into research. We have to study for ourselves to get the knowledge first. There's a quote from Louisa Motes that I think just really exemplifies what I'm talking about here. It's poignant. It's impactful in this particular scenario. Informed teachers are our best insurance against reading failures. While programs are very helpful tools, programs don't teach. Teachers do. We have to get the knowledge and pull it through to doing. Knowledge and doing. Knowledge-driven action. I think something else that helps exemplify what I'm talking about here, I heard Steve Harvey tell a story that resonated with our work as literacy leaders. He said that he was having a conversation with one of his kids about being able to Google anything. Dad, you can Google anything. His kids were certain that anything you needed to know could be found online. 
and I would venture to say they're probably pretty accurate. However, the wise Steve Harvey said, you can't Google experience. As literacy work and knowledge comes to the forefront on social media and online, you can watch videos, read articles, respond to posts all day. But putting new strategies in place while getting rid of some of the old ineffective strategies can only be mastered through experience. I have a mentor, Chris Robinson, and he says all the time, you got to learn a little, do a little, learn a little, do a little. And in our world of literacy, we know what Anita Archer says. I do, we do, you do. Learn a little, do a little put knowledge into action. The real change comes through repeated practice and evaluated experience. That's what a literacy leader does. It's who they are. It's who you are. Remember, this message is for you. Number three, courage. I've talked about courage before, and uh, on my courage card in my values deck, courage is the ability to take calculated risks and step outside of one's comfort zone. You're going to see at the November 3rd event, and if you're listening after November 3rd, don't worry, you can still get access to the recordings. You can still sign up. Courage. I've talked to so many teachers around the country that tell me, uh, my school is dead set on the particular pathway that has been put in front of me with the curriculums they've purchased, the training, everything we've done. And the knowledge that is currently in place in those positions of title says, huh, no, we're dead set on keeping things the way they are. This is what we're doing. But then I see nuggets of literacy leader of qualities, characteristics, values, and traits of people that are standing up boldly in courage. Teachers in the classroom that have had the courage to address change head on. Principals, superintendents addressing change head on. I've seen this all the way from California to Illinois, middle of the country, south, all the way to Georgia. It is everywhere. You could be one of those teachers, one of those literacy leaders that says, I'm going to lead with courage. I get what my district is telling me to do because of the mandates that are out there, the curriculums that we've purchased, but I've been gaining knowledge. I've been getting the understanding and I see only 60, 70% of my kids are reading at grade level. That's not enough. I can do better. And guess what these people are doing? They're standing up in courage. I've seen countless examples of this. We're going to be highlighting examples of this at the event. I want to put these people in front of you so you can see yourself in their stories. So you can see what a model of courage looks like. An example could be, I went to my principal and I said, I've been reading, I've been doing all the research, the understanding, and uh, I understand what our district is telling us to do, but 60% of my kids still are not reading at grade level. I can't get on board with that. I don't feel good when I go home at the end of the day. Would you allow me to try something different in my class according to what the research is telling us? 
would you allow me to change my schedule? Would you allow me to take my learning, put it into practice with evidence-based instruction? Would you allow me to do that? I'm hearing so often the yeses because somebody had the courage to take the calculated risk and move forward and ask somebody and ask permission. I've also seen another scenario. I've seen teachers that have done that, asked for permission and been told no. And guess what they do? They go in their classroom and they know what's right for kids and they lock their door. Both examples are examples of literacy leadership. You know, you had the courage to do it. You had the courage to stand up. They're taking that calculated risk. Now, like I said, this is a two-part series. And I want you to get excited about the November 3rd event. Because you are a podcast listener, I want you. I want everyone. I want community advocates there. I want paraprofessionals there. I want everyone there. This is a community affair because the urgency is real. You're seeing that urgency every day in the eyes of the children that are around you and in front of you. Okay, next week, we're diving into the other three. And I want you to know these are the ones that we are going to be seeing so prevalent and so real at our Spotlight on Literacy Leadership event on November 3rd. Hope to see you there. Thank you for going on the journey today. Thank you for being present. Thank you for continuing to grow and learn. If we are going to make an impact on education, create significance in the lives of our students, we need you. If you want to learn more about Learning Ally, visit us at learningally.org and be a part of a transformational community.